When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my pal, my friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, how you doing today, buddy? What's going on? Well, reporting on location from the folks as we get ready for the holiday season that is likely going to be ruined by these New York Jets because some genius, some mental giant over at the NFL scheduling-making complex decided to put the Jets in a standalone game on Black Friday against the Dolphins who are the best offense in the league right now and are probably going to tear the Jets up because they have a new quarterback, and I'm not too high on this quarterback. But you wanted Zach Wilson bench. Yeah, other guys still suck. I can say that. So we'll get into all that. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press for both. Make sure you subscribe. If you like the stream, make sure you hit that little button at the bottom, that thumbs up to give us a like. Make sure you also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so we could get up those review charts. We are so grateful for those of you who choose to show your support that way. And also, we're grateful for those who want to show their support by downloading Sleeper because we have a really nice Sleeper ad for you because the Jet Press is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first-time deposit match up to 100 bucks. Just make sure to use the code FANSIDED2 that is F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2. When signing up to receive your deposit match, scan the QR code at the bottom of the screen to see if you qualify. And please remember to always game responsibly. Now, big story of the week, because I thought this was going to be a week without a lot of Jets news because things are so morbid and so down in the dumps that you're like, how could anything shake the Jets out of this malaise? And they finally decided to make the move that We've been clamoring for for a while, which is Zach Wilson has been benched and he's been demoted to third string. Trevor Simeon will be the backup. We wanted Trevor Simeon to start, but that's a discussion for another day. And Tim Boyle is the new starting quarterback in the New York Jets. And Tim Boyle, for those of you that don't know, we've said this before, he in his college and pro career has 15 touchdown passes and 35 interceptions. He had one touchdown, 13 picks at UConn. Goes to Eastern Kentucky. Apparently, Richmond, Kentucky had too many bright lights. He threw 13 touchdown, 13 picks and 11 touchdowns. And now he has three touchdowns, nine picks in the NFL. So I, I was confused. So actually, for you people, don't say I never did nothing for you. I watched Tim Boyle film 
because wow. I'm like, all right, I know he's obviously Aaron Rodgers' friend and Hackett. That's why he got the Jets' backup job. But I'm like, there has to be a reason that one-eighth of the league, four different teams, the Packers, the Lions, the Bears, the Jets, have all taken chances on this guy. So I'm like, all right, there's got to be something. And I looked through his film, and you know what, Justin? I didn't find anything. I'm even more confused. Now, like in, in earnest, though, because there are a lot of negatives that are way out there. You don't even need to tell you some of them. Just look at the numbers. He is a big guy. I think he's listed at 6'4", 234. That's big even for a lot of quarterbacks. When he was timed, his 40-yard dash was right around 4'8", and he does have an arm. Now, Zach Wilson had an arm. So if you don't have the brain, arm doesn't mean anything. If I wanted to like make a player comparison for Tim Boyle, imagine a bigger rookie year Zach Wilson. Because last two years, Zach Wilson has been so scared to do anything. It's just check down, check down, check down, safe, safe, safe. And then we see what happened you know, with Nathaniel Hackett and all the pitfalls that come with that. Remember rookie year when he was actually trying stuff and doing all kinds of crazy throws? Like something, a lot of them didn't work. Some of them did. The Titans throw when he went to Corey Davis, like the best throw he's probably made in his whole career. I mean, that was a crazy throw when it worked. Tim Boyle thinks he has a 10 out of 10 elite arm. He may have a six and a half out of 10, seven out of 10, but he'll try some wicked throws. He will stand in the pocket better than Zach Wilson. He will deliver through contact better than Zach Wilson. And honestly, he probably will read the defense a little better than Zach Wilson. He is, I believe, 28 or 29 years old. So those are the things you're getting with Tim Boyle instead of Zach Wilson. But you're still getting a lot of the same problems. You're still getting to the riskiness. You're still getting that because of all the turnovers and interceptions. You're still getting some he, – he's skittish in the pocket. He moves around a lot and gets nervous. He just doesn't bail a lot. And you're still getting an inability to really like make big plays despite trying to. At least he tries. So I don't really have – a ton positive to say about Tim Boyle, but you could not have thrown Zach Wilson out there. Standalone game, home fans. Remember that Jaguars first half last year? That would have been worse than the Jaguars game in yeah. terms of how viscerally fans would have just hated him. So this is as much a we don't want Zach Wilson to just go into a huge depressive episode because 70,000 people want to kill him at MetLife Stadium. That that's as much behind this decision, I think, is what he's been doing on the field, which has been nothing. Yeah, I mean, it was inevitable. Like th- this was inevitably going to happen. It is the right decision. It's unfortunate that the quarterback they have to turn to is Tim Boyle. And I, I see we already got a question in chat, and we can talk about this a little bit. Why Tim Boyle over Trevor Simeon? Trevor Simeon was signed to the active roster. He will be QB two on Friday, but he is not going to be the starter. Obviously, that will be Tim Boyle. Ultimately, it just comes down to the same thing that like the same reason that Tim Boyle's on the roster because he knows Nathaniel Hackett's system. That's why he's here. That's, That's why a negative, he's isn't it? We should get somebody that doesn't know Nathaniel Hackett's system. Maybe. I mean, look, maybe I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I feel like I'm going to try and be optimistic this episode because just for my own sanity, because we're going to be pessimistic on Friday. Let me be optimistic. It's the, you know, the season of giving it's Thanksgiving tomorrow. Let's 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 be a little positive. So I'm going to say maybe there are two people, there are two human beings on this planet that can competently run Nathaniel Hackett's system. One of them got hurt. Maybe Tim Boyle's the other. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) We'll see on Friday. I do agree with you. I think that the positives you're getting from Tim Boyle is 
I do think he's going to be able to read the defenses more than Zach Wilson did. I think he's going to take more chances than Zach Wilson did, which is a positive and a negative. I don't think you're going to get the same kind of conservative game plan. I think they're actually going to let Boyle do more than Zach Wilson because they trust him more than they do Zach Wilson. Maybe they shouldn't. I don't know, because Wilson is definitely a turnover-prone quarterback. But he will take more chances. He will be more aggressive. Maybe they'll try and take some shots downfield. I mean, obviously, the other end of that is their offensive line stinks. So it's hard to take a lot of shots downfield when your offensive line is as bad as it is. But I do think that they will come out a little bit more aggressive. And from what we've seen of this Jets offense this season, that is when they're at their best, when they're not playing not to lose. Because when they play not to lose, they just they're awful. They, they, they lose. <laughs> they're just terrible. So I, I think that there are some positives with Boyle starting. Sure. Uh, I think you lose some mobility. Well, he's not, maybe not the the least mobile. He's not Jared Goff back there. He's not Zach Wilson. So I think you, you do remove some of that escapability from the game plan, but also you probably get better pocket presence because Zach Wilson's pocket presence is as negative as a guy. Like it might be the worst of any quarterback I've seen play football in the last 10 years. It is egregiously terrible. So I think I think there's positives and negatives from it. I don't know, man. We're talking. We're we're analyzing Tim Boyle. I didn't want to be doing this. Like I, I didn't want to be doing this in November. I wanted to be like. And you said at the beginning, like, why did the NFL do this? Because they thought it'd be Aaron Rodgers. Like they thought it would be Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins and a potentially a divisional like a, a matchup for a division title. Like this was supposed to be a a, a game with significant not only playoff implications but division implications and. While technically it could still have playoff implications, we're talking about Tim Boyle starting this game, and that just it makes me sad. Aaron Rodgers started for this team seventy three days ago, and we're talking about yeah. Tim Boyle. Yeah, just- imagine seeing a headline in August that in November uh, Zach Wilson would be benched for Tim Boyle as the Jets starting in September. And so, yeah, sure. Before it, it's September tenth. Imagine seeing that headline September tenth. You brought up an idea, too. I guess maybe they trust Tim Boyle a little bit more. If that's the case, why did he ever go out there then? Why was Boyle not number two over Wilson if they trusted Tim Boyle more? That's the mystery, and it's going to be very much like the whole Bill Belichick. Why didn't Malcolm Butler play in the Super Bowl he lost? We're never going to get a straight answer, I feel like, on this. About, number one, why they brought him back, and number two, why they stuck with him for so long. Because this is a move, as much as we've been clamoring for it, We've been clamoring for this since week three of the Patriot game. We were saying you can't play Zach Wilson again. Yep. Why did it take so long? It's been since last year. <laughs> so like, there were two, there were like two different points last year where I'm like, oh, that's the last we're ever going to see of Zach Wilson in a Jets jersey. And then he just somehow kept coming back. And I'm not convinced, Mike, that we don't see him out there again. I'm not conv- I've been fooled twice. I'm not going to be fooled a third time. For all we know, Tim Boyle gets hurt this week. Trevor Simeon gets hurt, and boom, emergency third quarterback Zach Wilson comes in, and who knows? Maybe he wins, and then now what? Justin, stop! You're delirious. Go to bed. I've just I've watched too much Jets football. I just I see it coming, man. I see it coming. It's gonna happen. God, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle, like that. That's the thing that just it drives me. Here's the thing that's been driving me crazy about the whole Zach Wilson Tim Boyle thing, and it is. It may sound like nitpicking with language a little bit, but it really got to me. So Robert Sala again is discussing why is that you know, why how did we get here? And in, in so many words. And he did say a lot of things I kind of agree with about, you know, part of the reason that we would have liked Aaron with Zach is not Aaron just teaching Zach, you know, individually, but it's seeing how 
he communicates with people, prepares with pe- prepares with the team, runs a practice. Like Zach didn't know how to do any of that because he was a young kid. He didn't even know if he was going to play in his league. So I'm like, all right, like those things are valuable for a young quarterback. Even if he's not going to be like the starter ever to at least learn that, you go, okay. And then, of course, when Rodgers got hurt, he's not with the team, and then he loses all that. So I'm like, all right, fair. But then he keeps calling it, we want to give Zach a red shirt year. It's a red shirt year. He doesn't know what a red shirt – a red shirt means yeah. inactive yeah. every single week. You're wearing street clothes. You're wearing a hoodie and sweatpants every single game, and you're watching and observing. That's what a red shirt would be, not if Aaron Rodgers' leg explodes on one play, which it did four plays in, then you're right back out there again. So that's where I think there's some disconnect because if if they wanted a red shirt, why didn't they get a real backup quarterback? And if they wanted Wilson to be the backup, as bad a decision as it is, why do they keep calling it a red shirt? That's not what it is because he's always got to be ready to go. A lot of what the Jets have said publicly and what supposedly is their reasoning for having Zach Wilson as QB2 and I guess now at this point QB1 for as long as they have, a lot of it is very hypocritical to me. That is a great point with the redshirt thing. How do you say it's a redshirt year when he's one play away from going out in the field and being your starting quarterback? That doesn't make sense. That's not what Trey Lance is doing right now in Dallas. That's a redshirt year. Trey Lance is not going to play this season, barring disaster happening in Dallas. That should have been the case with the Jets. It should have been the case that Zach Wilson was QB3 going into the year. And we're going to get into that shortly when we talk about some of the biggest mistakes the Jets made this offseason. I think the other hypocritical message is to play devil's advocate for why they stuck with Zach Wilson as long as they did. Supposedly, the reasoning is, and this makes sense, that they believe he has the highest upside of their other quarterbacks. And that is true. I do think that he gives you a higher upside as an offense than Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon do. But then why don't you play like that? Why don't you? Why did? Why is your offensive game plan the most conservative game plan I've ever seen the Jets run? That doesn't make any sense. If you're running that game plan, then you're not looking for upside. You're looking for a guy who could just quickly make reads and not make mistakes. And that's Tim Boyle. That's Trevor Simeon. Like, honestly, it's more Trevor Simeon than Tim Boyle. That's who you'd be starting in that situation. But if you're going for upside and you're saying, hey, we want a guy who's going to, you know, give our offense at least the potential to score 20 points a game, why are you running the offense you're running? So I just, I think a lot of it is very hypocritical. Maybe their their explanations make sense in a vacuum, but I don't know. Maybe it's a situation where the, the coaching staff just has tunnel vision and they're they're looking at Zach Wilson and they're like, well, he's clearly not the only problem. And they're they're going into the Jets Twitter spiel of, well, look, look at everything around him failing. We can't bench him. Everything else is failing. You can. You, you definitely can. I don't know. I, I, I hope I think we're going to get more competent quarterback play out of Tim Boyle. I think there will be more mistakes, but I think the offense will be more watchable. I, I don't know if that's going to lead to any results. It doesn't matter. No, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, Mike White is not an amazing quarterback, but he he ran an offense and he's a real quarterback for what yes. he is. And even though he had extreme mobility issues, and I don't think he had the greatest arm talent in the world, like he got the ball where it needed to go yep. when, when Wilson did not. Now, Boyle, I don't know if he's going to do that because we've seen him, again, 2021 Lions, that team won three games. Dan Campbell, we think, is a great coach now. He had, he had nothing that first year. That was as barren offensively, maybe even more so than the Jets. I get all that. But, I mean, he was – it was like, why is this guy employed? You really thought that watching some of these things. I want to get to some comments really quick related to the quarterback situation and just general Jets offense complaining, which seems to be a common theme lately. And That's all the – this podcast has become it's just we're just talking about how bad the jets offense is and we should just rename it nathaniel hackett sucks a jet a fan-sided <laughs> podcast 
even if he gets fired, like that'll be the name. It'd be but, I'll start, with Scott, I'll start with Scott Mitchell. Uh, I don't think they should bring Rodgers back this year if they're out of it. Don't want to jeopardize anything for next year. It, totally. Now, maybe Rodgers is – because Rodgers just has such a death grip on this franchise. And, again, when you give back the money he gave back, I get it to a degree. And when you're who he is, I kind of get it. Maybe he, they're just going to say, all right, come back for a, a series or two just to show that you did it because he probably just wants to show that he can do it. And then take them out, like play it like a preseason game if they're out of it. I'm like, fine, whatever, maybe. But yeah, like there's no way he should be playing a serious game, especially if you look at the end of the year who they got Houston, maybe a playoff team, Cleveland, maybe the best defense in the league. With this offensive line, now you don't throw them out there. No. And I think Rodgers has already made it clear that he's only coming back if the Jets are in contention. If they are, if they lose this game to the Dolphins, that's probably it for Aaron Rodgers' hopes of coming back. They'll be four and seven. I don't see a scenario where Rodgers would come back unless somehow they win two more games and then they're six and seven. Maybe then he would come back. But I even think, even then, I still think it'd be a stretch. You're pretty much, you got to win the next like two or three games for Rodgers to have any hope of coming back. So I think that ship has probably sailed at this point. And here's another one too from Peter Tronsden. Uh, Tim Boyle has been in Hackett's system in Green Bay. He knows the system. The Jets are going to get a really good quarterback because Rodgers is waiting in the wings. We, we, we're not asking for them to get a top 10 quarterback to be the backup. Number one, we're asking for a competent backup who can win games, of which there are dozens. The yep. Jets just never seem to have one. That's all we're asking for. And number two, he knows Hackett's system in Green Bay, as we've shown when he's calling plays in that system, every single place he's gone, it's been terrible. Look at Russell Wilson this year for crying out loud. That's a year removed. You can't even lean on the wool. Jacksonville was six years ago. Like that right there should show it. What good is knowing Hackett's system? The system sucks. Yep. I, I, I was going to go into it later when we talk about the biggest offseason mistakes because, uh, spoiler, not getting a competent backup quarterback was one of those huge mistakes. Regardless of whether Rodgers went down, that was something we talked about on the show for a while, even before Rodgers got hurt. There were plenty of capable backup quarterbacks they could have had for very cheap. Gardner Minshew signed for $3.5 million. If you want to say, oh, why would he have came here? Sure, Case Keenum signed for roughly the same, and he's third string in Houston. You could have signed him. I'll write off a few names later when we go into that more in detail, but there were plenty of options they could have had. And when Rodgers went down, they still could have made a move then. I mean, not the not to, to, to beat the Josh, Josh Dobbs drum too hard, but they could have went out and traded for Josh Dobbs. They could have made offers for other guys as well. I'm not sure if Jacoby Brissett was available, but I know teams are calling on him. He absolutely would have been a significantly better option than anybody else on the, on the roster right now. And then another one from Drew O'Neill. Wilson has some nice runs when he stands in the pocket. It's what the opposing team wants. Like, I've heard people say this before. Why don't they roll Zach Wilson? You can't do 30 rollouts a game. Now, they they do one or two a game. Could they maybe up it to seven or eight because he's good yeah. on the move? Sure, but you can't do an all-rollouts offense. you got to be a big boy and drop back and execute from the pocket, and he never could. Three years, yeah. never could. He maybe got worse in some areas. He actually maybe looks worse than he was last year in the pocket in some instances. Yeah. Uh, another comment here. Is it bad that I think Darnold could do better than Zach in this offense? No. I mean, yeah, he absolutely no, was much better than Sam Zach Darnold, Wilson. Sam Darnold was, was, or was significantly better than Zach Wilson. I mean, it's it's dumb to even compare, like, Jets QB busts. It makes me sad, honestly. But, like, yeah, Sam Darnold was significantly better than, with the Jets than Zach Wilson ever was. And he also had a worse team around him than Zach Wilson did. Like you and I know Connor Hughes has been beating this drum on on Twitter recently. Like you can absolutely make the argument, and I would agree that the Jets failed Sam Darnold, that they did not develop him properly. But 
I don't know if that's the case as much with Zach Wilson. I mean, was it perfect? No, but him being significantly worse than almost every other quarterback that's played in the NFL in the last like 25 years is not only on the Jets developing him. He's just also been terrible. And then another one, I, again, I, we, I keep seeing this, Gregory Freeman, biggest yeah. mistake, no offensive line. They, they're on like their 12th guy on the depth chart. 14th. How is that Joe Douglas's fault? He didn't get a good 12th guy. They're, they had yeah. multiple guys who were on other teams' practice squads a month ago. How is that yeah. Joe Douglas's fault? What do you want him to have? Randall McDaniel as your fourth string guard? Like, not going to happen. You can get on his case and be like, they shouldn't have gone into the season relying on Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton to stay healthy, especially given that Dwayne Brown pretty much didn't return until like a week before the season started. That's a fair argument. But all of the injuries they've had in the interior offensive line, I mean, it's nothing they could have done there. Like there's there's absolutely nothing they could have done. Connor McGovern is a starting caliber center. They brought in Joe Tipman to hopefully take his place. Elijah Vera Tucker is a very good right guard when he was playing. Lakin Tomlinson, obviously they had the huge contract. They hope he'd bounce back. Wes Feitzer is a fine backup guard. All of those guys got hurt. Every single one of them, with the exception of Tomlinson, have gotten hurt this season. There's nothing At like the same there. time, too. Yeah. They and I, I said this stat on the uh the 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 last show we did, I believe. The Jets have not played a game. They have not finished a game where a starting offensive lineman has not gotten hurt since week four. Every game since then, they have finished a game with one of their starting offensive linemen, at least one. It, it's been multiple in certain cases, getting injured. You can't prepare for that. Like, that's insane. They're on their 14th offensive lineman. They played 14 different offensive linemen. Most, most teams only, like, carry eight. They have 14. 14 have played. That's that's enough for almost three offensive lines. What are you going to do at that point? And, and, and those are two separate arguments people make. And the argument of Joe Douglas should have addressed it earlier in the offseason, maybe used the pick. Like, I know we some guys want a receiver. They get Will McDonald. Maybe use that in an offensive lineman. That's a different debate than yeah. he didn't build a good offensive line now. Like now, yeah. no GM. I don't care if you're the greatest offensive line coach in the world. Some of these things, again, they're not bad. They're trying hard. Xavier yeah. Newman actually looked like he could hold his own for a little bit, but for crying out loud, Chris Glazer was on the Cowboys two weeks ago. Yeah. And now he has to play significant minutes for the Jets. How is and that Joe Douglas's fault? And this is it's what makes me mad too because I see the I see everyone throw this out there. It's normally it's not even Jets fans that are saying this. It's like, oh, this is the offensive line that they expected Aaron Rodgers to stay healthy behind. No, it's not. No one expected this to be the offensive line. And then the other part of it is like, oh, the, the Aaron Rodgers lasted four plays behind this offensive line. No, he didn't. One very different offensive line. Two, it was entirely his fault. It wasn't even the offensive line's fault. Like it just it makes me mad. And the injury itself. It's not – it wasn't a direct result. It was a fluke. Yeah. It was a fluke. His, his leg bent a weird way and his tendon gave out and it snapped. Quarterbacks take hits like that 10 times a game and they don't tear their Achilles. Like, it's just – it was a complete fluke. But, yeah, the offensive line's bad. Like, we're not going to argue the offensive line's good right now, but also context matters here. They've been decimated, like, historically decimated by injuries. So let, let's stop looking at what it is right now. Let's do a little retrospective and figure out how the hell – this thing got FUBAR immediately because this offseason, look, the Aaron Rodgers trade, if Aaron Rodgers was healthy and he's playing at a level that he was even last year, which wasn't even amazing Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are in the playoffs. And then the most catastrophic worst-case scenario, I don't even want to say worst-case scenario. I don't even think people imagine this could be a worst-case scenario. It was so out of the blue and so insanely cosmically bad luck that it ruined everything. But as me and Justin have said on this podcast, tons and tons of times, there were individual moves 
that we just didn't particularly like in the offseason. And I think if you had to like, we really want to do like a ranking, but if you had to go, which was clearly number one, it was obviously not getting a real backup quarterback. And for, I don't know who made the decision. Was it Aaron Rodgers saying, I like this guy? Was it genuine belief that he was, that Zach Wilson was good? We don't know what it was, but they didn't get a real backup quarterback when there were 10 of them right now that would have the Jets in the playoffs. And they were out there. Cole Brissett was out there. You could have traded for Gardner Minshew if you wanted to. I think he was still under contract with the Eagles. Maybe he was a free agent. I don't really remember. But you could have got him if you wanted to. You could have got Josh Dobbs in the middle of the season. You could have got Josh Dobbs beforehand, before the Cardinals even traded for him, because he was on the Browns at that point. Tons of guys. Yep. And they said, nope, we're riding with Zach. Was it Joe Douglas arrogance? Yeah, I know he didn't do good last year, but I, I'm smart, and this is my guy, so he'll eventually be good. We'll never know, but all we do know is it sank a second consecutive Jets season with an amazing defense, and it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I was remember having this conversation with people back in March and April about why the Jets aren't signing a, a better backup quarterback, and everybody was like, oh, well, they can't afford one. They can't afford to have Zach Wilson and his whatever, $9 or $10 million he's making this year be third string. They can't afford $3, 4000000 million for a backup quarterback. Of course, this was before they went out and paid Dalvin Cook $7 million. The Jets absolutely could have afforded it. They didn't want to do it. I already rattled off a couple of names earlier, but just even some more. I mean, even somebody like Josh Johnson would be a significant upgrade over Tim Boyle and and uh, and, and Trevor Simeon. And he's not like I'm not, I, I like Josh Johnson. I think he's actually better than the NFL gives him credit for. But he's not like I wouldn't say he would be in the top ten backup quarterbacks in the NFL. But he would still be better than what the Jets had. And the the Ravens signed him for for literally nothing. It was, it was I believe the veteran minimum. Uh, other guys out there, Chase Daniel was out there. You could have signed him for $2 million. Teddy Bridgewater. He, he retired, though, right? Did he retire? I think or, he retired. I think he retired. Whatever. You could. I mean, look, Joe Flacco was on the on the doorstep of retirement, too, and the Browns still got him. So who knows, man? You could have you could have brought him in. Teddy Bridgewater for $3 million. Case Keenum for $3 million. Gardner Minshew for $3.5 million. Hell, even Mike White went for $4 million. That's not crazy. That's absolutely not crazy. And I know he went to the Dolphins. He wants to be behind Tua. You know, there was definitely a clearer path to playing time there behind a quarterback who, you know, has has suffered with injuries a lot in the past and also, you know, the the no income tax. I get it. There were options for the Jets. They did not significantly consider bringing in a backup quarterback. That's evidenced by they brought in Tim Boyle. They wanted a guy who knew Hackett's system. So they brought in Boyle to be QB3 behind Zach Wilson. They trusted Wilson with QB2. That was their plan. That was their plan going into the season. And obviously that was a mistake. I don't know if that was the biggest mistake they made though, Mike, because I think in hindsight, it was the biggest mistake because obviously, you know, and yeah, as Brian puts up, Brian mentions in chat here, Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent until August 10th. That's when the Lions signed him. They signed him in August. The Jets signed Dalvin Cook after that. So they had the money. Clearly weeks of flirting with each other publicly. So they, they had plenty of time and the money, absolutely the money. They paid Delvin Cook double what Teddy Bridgewater got from the Lions. They just did not want to bring him in. They could have paid Teddy Bridgewater a million more than the Lions paid him, and they still would have saved $3 million by paying Teddy Bridgewater and not Dalvin Cook. They just didn't want to do it. That was not their priority. But again, I don't even know if that was the biggest mistake that they made because while obviously I think in hindsight that one had the biggest impact on the Jets' season because Rodgers went down – I think even if Rodgers was healthy, going into the season with the wide receiver room that they had was a major, major mistake. And I think virtually every wide receiver decision that Joe Douglas made this offseason was a blunder. I think he messed up pretty much every single wide receiver uh, decision that he made. 
Elijah Moore getting traded. I get why they did it. I understand why it happened. If they don't do it, maybe they don't go get Joe Tipman. I get that. Still, Elijah Moore would very handily be wide receiver two on the Jets right now, and he would be better, significantly better than the likes of Alan Lazard and all of the undrafted rookies that he's playing with. Uh, they then go, speaking of Alan Lazard, sign Alan Lazard four years, $44 million for a guy who, in my opinion, is at best a wide receiver three. I th- I, I can't believe I'm, I'm doing this now, but I'm, I'm at the point where I'm defending Alan Lazard because I just think he's suffering from Corey Davis year one Jets syndrome where he's just significantly worse now than he's ever been. I think he's better than what we've seen from him in the last few weeks. I think he's not good. I don't think he's a good wide receiver. And I think a lot of the issues that he's had are issues he's had throughout his entire career. Concentration drops, separation. Those have always been issues dating back to his time in Green Bay. I think he's better than what we've seen from him. That said, giving him $44 million over four years, awful contract. Terrible decision. I didn't like it at the time. Uh, you you and me, I believe, were both in agreement. Were you in agreement that Corey Davis was better than Alan Lazard in the offseason? I, I was not. I was a Lazard fan because, right. I, again, like it's one of those things like I – you were critical of Cook and Lazard, and they've both been bad. But even I think you against them didn't expect sure. Cook to be that bad. And again, I thought earlier in the year Lazard played well. I like agree. First five six games, I thought he played pretty well for the situation he was in with Wilson yeah. and everything going on. And then I don't know what happened starting in the Charger game. He just he can't do anything right. It, yeah. Part of it is mental, I think, and I think this I whole offense is in their own head. Where yeah. even the good guy, Garrett Wilson's fumbling, Brees Hall's not breaking off big runs, Sauce clearly should have just batted that ball down and he went for the interception, got beat for the touch. Like everybody's pressing. Everybody's in because they know, well, if we don't make something happen, Zach Wilson's not going to do anything. So I, I'm willing to almost say that that's part of it for Lazard specifically, where I, he's just so zonked out because this offense can't do anything. It's like, yeah, it's when one thing, it's just a complete domino effect. Yep. One guy starts messed up, everybody starts messing up. I agree. One thing I will take, because again, I do agree that, actually, I'll disagree a little bit here because. Well, hold on. I wasn't ready. I wasn't done reading off all the wide receiver mistakes because there were still more. Oh, oh really? <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, all right. Then I will. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll rattle in after that. I'll rattle off super quick. First of all, I completely agree with you on the pressing thing. 100%. I feel like that's something that's often overlooked in football. When things are are firing all cylinders, it's a snowball effect. And when things are going wrong, it's also a snowball effect. Everything kind of just feeds off each other. That's why the Jets defense has been as, as good as they are for a lot of the season, because everyone else is playing well. So whenever, when you have a few players playing well, everyone plays better around them. It's just kind of like that's CJ Mosley's having a career year because Quincy Williams is having a career year. Like it, they, they coincide with each other. Anyway, uh, rattling off some more. I didn't. I didn't dislike the Nicole Hardman signing at all. I actually thought it was a pretty good move. Although I did thought I did think he was going to be brought in to be that Braxton Berrios replacement. Until it turned out he was the Elijah Moore replacement. Still, bringing him in and then not finding a room or a, a a role for him on the roster at all. Obviously, a major blunder. I think he played what twenty three snaps before they shipped him out of town. They clearly messed that up. Uh, not drafting a wide receiver in the draft at all. Like I'm not even saying you didn't even have to to add one at, at 15. You didn't even have to do it. You didn't have to go Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison or whoever in the first round. You could have addressed it in the third round. You could have addressed it in the fourth round. Like you could have, you could have gone a little bit later and still added a wide receiver. And so now maybe you have a mid round wide receiver on your roster instead of undrafted guys like Jason Brownlee getting thrown out there who, you know, no offense to Jason Brownlee. I don't think he's ready for significant NFL snaps at this stage of his career. And there's a reason for that. He went undrafted for a reason. Uh, so I think they could have done that. You, you know, you know, I'm on the, the Jackson Smith and Jigba bandwagon over Will McDonald. I've been saying that since March. I still think Will McDonald could be a very good player. It was just a very confusing pick at the time. 
especially when you had Aaron Rodgers. And the, the, the thought process is, oh, we're trying to go all in this year. And that's what you, you, you make a pick for two, three years down the line. That didn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, and then lastly, not not significantly targeting or basically just being like, we are not interested in DeAndre Hopkins while showing significant interest in Odell Beckham. That makes no sense to me. It still boggles my mind to this day. And every time I bring it up on Twitter, I get so mad that people are like, well, Hopkins didn't want to go to the Jets. You don't know that. You have absolutely no idea. You are basing that. And I know what you're basing it off of. Anybody who says that, you're basing this off of a 10-second clip that you saw that was highlighted by Bleacher Report where he said in a, in a video of like, oh, would you want to go to these teams? He like made a stink face when he was talking, when they, when they asked him about the Jets. Before the Aaron Rodgers trade even happened, okay? That's what you're basing it on. That's not why the Jets weren't interested. Reports at the time, I forget who reported it now. I wish I remembered it. Reports at the time said that the Jets were not interested because of character because of character concerns. They didn't think he was a good culture fit for the team. Meanwhile, he's on pace for what, 1,200 yards in a bad Titans offense? He's having a very good season again because he's absolutely not washed, despite what many people tried to tell me in the offseason. You know who is washed? Odell Beckham, a guy they, they genuinely really wanted to sign. Maybe it was Aaron Rodgers. I don't know who it was that was that was making that decision, but being interested in Odell Beckham and not DeAndre Hopkins, insane to me, especially because they could have just released Corey Davis this is before he retired, could have released Corey Davis, signed DeAndre Hopkins for the same deal he got in Tennessee and saved cap space. Makes no sense. So everything that they did with the wide receiver room this offseason, big thumbs down. It gets an F for me if we're grading stuff. If we're bringing back the uh, the, the, the Woodies, this is my least favorite move of the offseason. So I'm with you on Hopkins over Odell. Now, Odell, to be fair, Odell would probably be the second best receiver on this team right now. Oh, he would. He would. Right. he would. Now, yeah, the Hopkins thing was – that that was inexcusable to not even like a really make it an attempt. Even if you try and he goes to the Titans anyway, because of connections, whatever you went out swinging to not even attempt it is a problem. But also here's where I'll, I'll defend Douglas slightly a little bit because we've also, we've given him a little bit of a pass for the offensive line because of everything that's happened in the season. There was a point last year, remember earlier in the off season when it said it was almost like a formality. Odell was going to the jets. Yeah. Like it looked like it was a lock before the Ravens like gave him an insane amount of money. If that happened, there the wide receiver room would have basically been Garrett Wilson, Odell Beckham, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, and Miko Hardman. Five guys who have all proven in the NFL one stage or another they can be effective receivers. And then almost immediately, Beckham doesn't sign, goes to Baltimore. Corey Davis retires. Who expected that? And then they completely ripped Hardman's element out of the offense when the Aaron Rodgers injury happened. So in in that span, like a month, you just lost three of your five potential guys. Sure. So I almost don't want to – I want to rip him too hard for that because he had a plan and then Rodgers, to a degree, ripped the plan up. And then also, like I've said this before. This is just me personally. Well, if they got Jack Smith and Jigbo over Will McDonald, like Randall Cobb – I don't Randall Cobb. He was the number three receiver and he was on the field all the time and he had like four catches. You think a rookie – like, I know Garrett Wilson is, is sensational, but would a rookie in this offense have anything more than like 10, 11 catches this year? I mean, Alan Lazard's the number two, and he's been all year. He's got like 19, 20. What, 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 how would Njigba really exceed that? You just have another guy. that All that would happen is we'd be on here, and in our normal Hackett diatribe, we'd be saying, get Jackson Smith and Jigba the ball more, and then he wouldn't. That's what would happen if they drafted him. I can confidently say – 
that whoever would, whichever receiver they drafted, if it was Jackson's been the Jigba, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, whoever, they would have had a bigger and more impactful role than Will McDonald has this season. And I know it's not all about this season. I know they didn't draft Will McDonald for him to have an impactful role this season. I'm well aware of that. But also, whatever receiver you drafted wouldn't just be a pick for this year as well because they'd be a pick for the future. That would be my counterargument. Also, the other counterargument, Odell signed the beginning of April. They, they, they didn't go into the draft thinking they still had Odell. Like, they knew that they didn't have him. Corey Davis retired late August. That's that's tough. That sucks. But again, I was on this podcast for months saying, hey, just release Corey Davis well before that and sign DeAndre Hopkins or make another move of receiver. Like, if they drafted a receiver, cut Corey Davis. Use that money to sign a backup quarterback, to still sign Dalvin Cook if you want to. Like, they, they, they had plenty of options there. They didn't need to rely on Corey Davis. In fact, even if Corey Davis was on this team, He's not wide receiver two, even though I think he's the second best wide receiver on the team. Al Lazard was signed to be wide receiver two. And we know Corey Davis probably isn't playing the slot. And I don't think they're going to move Garrett Wilson there. So he's realistically wide receiver four. So I think even still, once they didn't draft the wide receiver, their plan was eventually to have Randall Cobb be wide receiver three. And we saw that worked out. Like even if Corey Davis doesn't retire, I don't know if he has a significant, I mean, maybe he eventually gets a significant role in the offense once they figure out Lazard is ass. But like, I don't think that he would have been one of your starting receivers in week one. And so it sucks. And then also they had time after that to make a move. I mean, they could have made a move at the deadline. And I hate people saying, oh, he tried to trade for Devontae Adams. He tried to trade for Mike Evans. Those weren't happening. I'm pretty sure Joe Douglas knew they weren't happening. Those were exploratory phone calls. He was like, well, maybe, maybe let's see what can happen here. Maybe, maybe there's potential movement. No, like Joe Douglas did not expect to trade for Devontae Adams. He didn't expect to trade for Mike Evans during the season. Those were, those were pipe dreams. So I don't want to hear, oh, he tried to make a move there. He, he didn't really try to make a move. They saw their wide receiver room. They were content with it. Even before Corey Davis ret retired, I thought the wide receiver room was bad. Then he retired, and they still didn't make a move. So I that that is my biggest gripe with the Jets this offseason. I agree with you, back quarterback. That's a mistake. Absolutely a mistake. We, we both agree on that. We've talked about that for months. But I just think everything they did with the wide receiver room was just awful and also very predictable in my mind. As Brian points out in chat, all non-Garrett Wilson receivers have a 50.2 passer rating when targeted yeah. this year, which is yeah. goddamn depressing. Oh. One other thing, I've, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up too, because this was something I was actually banging on, was why did they not cut Carl Lawson or, or Michael Carter, specifically Lawson, yeah. earlier? Because, again, that's one of the things. When they drafted Will McDonald, I thought, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to cut Carl Lawson, and then you get somebody else with the Lawson money. That didn't happen. Then he has that quote, I'm not a cheerleader. I know it maybe in context didn't sound as disgruntled as it, it seemed just like reading it in text on like Google or whatever, but he's not happy with his role. So now you got a, a malcontent on your hands. You got a guy who's respected that maybe some guys felt they're doing dirty because they could have let him maybe play with a contender because he's been on so many bad Bengals teams and bad Jets teams throughout his career. So really I don't get that one because all it did early was just take snaps away from Will McDonald your top 15 pick who you love and then Carter they eventually realized Carter was not the guy they get rid of him but all that did was just delay Israel Abanacanda's ascension into the the RB3 role and a prominent offensive role because I mean I was not I liked Carter as a rookie I thought he was fantastic he just showed you nothing last year and they just keep I I, I get it to a degree one good year, one bad year. This will be the deal breaker, and he ended up having a bad year, and he's got rid of them. But that that's money that could have been allocated elsewhere. They could have got rid of Carter, lit, fully put in a bandicand as the third running back, which is not unreasonable for a fifth-round pick to be RB3 in your rookie year, and then use that money elsewhere. And then they said, no, we believe in him, and then 
10 weeks after the season started, they don't believe in him anymore. I'll put my hand up and say that I was one of the people that was perfectly fine with them keeping Carl Lawson. Obviously, in hindsight, I think that looks like a major mistake. They could have cut him and saved $15 million. Instead, they restructured his deal, and now they have dead cap on his contract next year when he won't even be on the roster. So that was definitely a mistake in hindsight. I understood the line of thought because I love the Carl Lawson signing when they made it. I, I think that you could make a very good argument. He was the best player on that entire roster that summer when he was dominating before his unfortunate Achilles injury. Then he came back, did play all 17 games, which that was, you know, credit to him for playing all 17 games. I know there was there were stories out there that he didn't even start running until training camp, until July. And then he went on to play all 17 games. He clearly wasn't himself. Like he was not the same Carl Lawson that he was before the injury, which is why I was perfectly okay with saying, all right, now he's another year removed from that Achilles. Let's see if he can be the guy. Because if he can be that guy, or even 80% of the guy that we signed him to be, Boom. Now he's probably your best edge rusher going into the season. That was my thinking. That was my thinking with Carl Lawson. I, I know he's been horrific this year. And unfortunately, he had the back injury this summer. And that 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 killed it. Like that that killed any hopes that he can return to form. And it's unfortunate because we're never going to see a healthy Carl Lawson with the Jets. And that is one of the biggest what ifs for me for the Jets over the last five, six years, because I think I think he could have been a dominant player, like a completely dominant player. Uh, he was awesome in Cincinnati, even if the sack numbers never matched up with his production. Uh, I, I just I wish we got to see that. So I don't fully fault them for bringing back Carl Lawson. Now, bringing back Carl Lawson and drafting Will McDonald. Yeah, I mean, clearly someone was going to be the odd man out. I mean, I was on the show for months saying that Bryce Huff would be the odd man out. I'm, I'm glad I'm wrong. I'm 100 percent glad I'm wrong about that. Instead, the odd man out ended up being Will McDonald. <laughs> like, Will McDonald was a healthy scratch when everyone was healthy until Carl Lawson was just not healthy and also just not effective because he wasn't healthy. If Carl Lawson was still healthy right now, Will McDonald would be a healthy scratch every week. I, I, I hope people realize that because it's it's 100% true. They're not dressing all six defensive ends. And, and Will McDonald fills the exact same role that Bryce Huff does. That's why I was saying that for months. I'm like, if, if, if I mean, now Bryce Huff's been expanded into a bigger role. He's playing more and more three down. But going into the season, he was a third down specialist. That's all he was. And they drafted Will McDonald to be that guy. So the only reason Will McDonald's even getting snaps, which he's not getting many, but the only reason he's getting snaps – is because Carl Lawson got hurt. Carl Lawson had the back injury, and now he's not effective because he's not healthy. So I I, I don't know. I want to get on their case about that, but I also want to know, like, I understand why they did that. As far as Michael Carter, I think some were surprised he wasn't cut for Zonovan Knight in the summer. What I mean, it, it, I guess, sure. I don't know how much better Zonovan Knight would be than Michael Carter at this point. I, I believe Carter was better in the preseason anyway than Zonovan Knight. Um so who knows? Yeah, they should have given more snap or, or given Izzy Abanacanda a chance before uh, they even released Michael Carter. They should have just they should have done that earlier in the season. But now here we are. So I, I don't know. I don't have as significant issues with those. Um, I guess the last issue that I'll, I'll bring up, I mean, because you could you could say the offensive tackle situation like I agree. I think that they probably could have addressed offensive tackle more and had better depth there. I, I was not a huge fan of the Billy Turner signing. He's fine depth, I guess. But I think when you're going into the season with Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton as your tackles, you need really good tackle depth. And I know they had Barrett Tucker, but it would have been nice to have him just take a guard for a season. Uh, but the bigger issue I have is they just hired they hired an inept offensive coaching staff. And it's not it goes beyond Nathaniel Hackett because I understand Hackett's here. I understand he's here because of Rodgers. But they also hired Todd Downing as their passing game coordinator, who's basically their quarterback's coach. I know Rob Calabrese is still here, but – Downing is basically their quarterback's coach. He is probably the single, the, the coach in that locker room who has the single greatest effect on your quarterbacks. 
And he was really bad in Tennessee. Like he, he was just not good. I know under Arthur Smith, they had a top five offense. And in the years after that with Downing, they were like 20th. And I think they were 30th in his last year in Tennessee. And then they hire the offensive line coach from Tennessee, Keith Carter, who was fired alongside Downing a, a couple months before they hired him, or like a month before they hired him. Uh, and he was fired partially because half the offensive line hated him. And then they bring him in and there's already a conflict in styles because remember the whole cut block scandal where he wants to run all these cut blocks and Aaron Rodgers didn't want to run that. I guess that was a conflict with Nathaniel Hackett too. Aaron Rodgers ends up getting a hurt, getting hurt because they ran a play where they had cut blocks and then they never do cut blocks again. That's incompetence. Like that's there's clearly a disconnect with the offensive coaching staff. They hired the scraps from a bad offensive coaching staff last year in Tennessee, and this is the result. It, it's I mean Nathaniel Hackett's obviously bad, but I think that one was less avoidable. They brought him in because they were trying to get Rodgers, and that's part of the reason Rodgers came here in the first place. But you could have avoided hiring Todd Downing. You could have avoided hiring Keith Carter. You could have made better, better additions there, better hires there. Uh, so I think I think just their offensive coaching staff just being as terrible as they are uh, is another big mistake that they made this this offseason that could have been prevented. And and the funny part now is we're begging for Todd Downing to call plays now. <laughs> no, because that's literally that's the only other viable option if, because they're not firing Akin. We can't get any catharsis. He's going to stay here. He may stay here for three years if Aaron Rodgers plays for three years. Yeah. We will never be rid of this guy. Yeah. And it, it just drives you. It just drives you crazy. It does. Well, let's get to one more comment really quick here before we jump into the potential uh, Dolphins preview. Do you resign Bryce Huff? I feel like this is from Pablo on YouTube. Thank you for the comment. Uh, I feel like this also is like related to the Will McDonald pick because they drafted Will McDonald under the assumption that they would not sign Bryce Huff. They, they didn't plan to re-sign Bryce Huff. They're like, all right, Carl Lawson's a free agent at the end of the year. He's gone. Bryce Huff's a free agent. He's probably going to be gone. But now you're at a stage where how do you not re-sign Bryce Huff? Like, they've been preparing for his departure for years. That's why they drafted Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald in consecutive drafts, because they were not expecting to re-sign Bryce Huff. But it's at the point where how do you not do that now? And now if you extend Bryce Huff and you give him a big money deal, where, where the hell does Will McDonald fit in? Because you have Bryce Huff and Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson as your two defensive ends. They're, they're your two top edge rushers, and there's no reason either of them should not have a significant role on this team next year. So what I is like Jermaine about? might be in, in the year where they got to pay Sauce, Breeze, Scarewell, like when they got to pay all those guys, I feel like Jermaine is the least likely of the four to get a second Maybe, contract. But that's still three, four years down the line. And like Will McDonald's going to be at the end of his rookie contract by then, you know, like, or he's going to be close to the end of his rookie contract. So I don't if they re-sign Bryce Huff, which they absolutely should, there's no argument here. They absolutely should re-sign Bryce Huff. Where does Will McDonald fit in? I don't I don't know. He's 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 at your third defensive end. And that's the guy you now just spent a top 15 pick on to be your third defensive end when you could have you could have drafted it. I mean, I, I'm not gonna just throw out positions because it's not as simple as oh, you could have drafted an offensive lineman. Well, if they didn't like Roger Jones, they weren't gonna do that. But they could have drafted other positions. They could have drafted other players at different positions who would have been more impactful. Hell, they could have drafted Dalton Kincaid. They could have drafted Jameer Gibbs. These guys would have had larger roles than Will McDonald. I'm not saying I would have loved if they drafted – well, I guess they couldn't have drafted Jameer Gibbs. They wanted to draft him. But they could have drafted Dalton, Dalton Kincaid. Not to say that I would have been jumping up and down if they drafted a tight end, but they they could have done that. And that was apparently someone they were considering along with Michael Mayer. So I don't know. I'll just I'll throw that last part out there that I would love to – I want to re-sign Bryce Huff. But then that just it makes the Will McDonald pick look even worse if you resign. Will McDonald will be good. I think it's just there's no yeah. room for him. That's the thing. I, it's this is not anti Will McDonald. I think he can be very good. And I think if he gets a similar workload to Jermaine Johnson, how Jermaine Johnson in his second season got a significant uptick in snaps, I could totally see a breakout from Will McDonald. 
But where are you getting any killed it? Yeah, but where are you getting those snaps from? You have two really good young edge rushers that you should want to keep around. Jermaine Johnson's obviously under contract for another couple of years. And then Bryce Huff, who you should extend and you should resign. And I think everybody, every Jets fan is in agreement that the Jets should re-sign Bryce Huff. But I think a lot of them just don't realize also what that means for Will McDonald. Because people are like, oh, well, he'll get a lot more snaps next year. Will he? Will he? No, no pun intended. Will he really? Like, is he actually going to get a lot more snaps? Probably more than than the seven to 12 snaps he's getting a game this year. But I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get a significant uptick in snaps. Anyway, so let's go. Let's, let, let's go. And I believe Justin, before we get on to the uh, uh, yet another live funeral, the Jets have to partake in in prime time. Don't you have a message from our friends over at Sleeper? I do. And before I even do the ad read, I said this every time. I love Sleeper. Sleeper is the only fantasy app that I use. Again, not paying me to say that. I'm genuinely meaning that. Sleeper is pretty cool. Uh, it's it is a great fantasy app. Anyway, Jet Press Podcast is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to hundred of uh, one hundred dollars. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2. That is on the bottom right of the screen. It should be. That's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, the number two, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. Mike, let's talk some Black Friday Jets Dolphins. So this another game where the Jets are going to end up being pu- pubically, pu- publicly. <laughs> oh, hey, yo. <laughs> What's going on over here? <laughs> Oh, nice. Didn't what was the slip up I had a while? I said something. Oh, the hard knocks thing that I said. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. All that right. So publicly <laughs> humiliated, like I just was. Mm-hmm. That's what's gonna happen in all likelihood when they play the Miami Dolphins, who finally have a defense, it looks like. Jalen Ramsey's been as good as he's ever been. The much maligned front seven has looked a lot better in the last few weeks. And then obviously now that you know Tua is kind of staving off the injuries, he ends, he's looking pretty good. Now, they still haven't beat a good team, but it's the Jets, and they beat bad teams, so they'll probably beat the Jets. So mm-hmm. let's let's look at – let's take away – obviously, I don't think they're going to win because of the quarterback situation. Let's just look independent of that. Let's pretend hypothetically that they have an average quarterback that can actually try to win this game. I know they don't, but let's just pretend it for the sake of argument. There are ways that I think you can take advantage – of the Dolphins, because while the front seven is improved and Bradley Chubb can at least make some play, I certainly don't think anybody's scared to death of that group. I think this is a good Brees Hall game because of the teams that beat them, you know, Buffalo, Miami, they did it by controlling the line of scrimmage. Now, obviously, Tua didn't have his best game, but that's how you put up points on this defense because the secondary, I actually think, even without Jalen Ramsey, has a lot of promising players on it, a lot of really good proven players on it. Ramsey obviously takes it to another level. Ramsey's probably going to be on Garrett Wilson, so somebody else has to make a play, and it's probably going to be Brees Hall, and I think there's a path to it. In terms of the the defense, this is a tough evaluation because the, the Jets played the Dolphins twice last year, but they never got Tua. They got Skylar Thompson both times. They even didn't even get Teddy Bridgewater because he got hurt on the first play, if you remember that. So what makes Tua such an anomaly, and I've been critical of Tua before because I just don't think he has the physical talent that some of the other elite quarterbacks do, and I think he just got a godsend of a, of a coach in Mike McDaniel to, to help him out with these things. But what's an anomaly is I believe he has the lowest time to throw in the league and he has the highest average depth of target. So not only is he getting the ball out quick, 
But unlike Zach Wilson, he's not getting the ball out quick and dumping it off to a flat check down. He's getting the ball out deep and he's throwing 15-yard crossers over the middle that Tyree Kill ends up running under. The the Tyreek Tyreek thing I'm worried about, obviously Sauce will be there, but Tyreek, they just use him in so many different ways. I'm surely going to get him matchups on not Sauce, whoever it may be, a couple linebackers out of position, maybe a safety or things like that. That's Mike McDaniel. Half his game plan is let's get Tyreek just in open space and let him do crazy stuff. And, and it works. So I say all that to say the path, there is a path. If you control the line of scrimmage on offense, and if you can make Tua a little indecisive and make him not just say, all right, Tyreek's open somewhere and hold on to the ball a little bit, then the pass rush can take over offensive line for them is good. Not great. They've certainly gotten better than they were before, but certainly I don't think it's a position of strength. There's a formula there. Now, Tim Boyle will likely mess up the formula, which is the big part of it, but the bones for an upset are there. And as we saw in the Philly game, sometimes the bones of an upset can actually end up turning into something. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our analysis of this game, I feel like it's going to be the same with a lot of Jets games, but if they could force some turnovers into it, they got a shot. Like that's that's what they need to do. I think that this Dolphins offense is well adept to be able to beat this Jets defense. I think that the way that they're structured and the way that they run their offense, because they get the ball out as quickly as they do, and because they get they scheme guys open so often, that could cause some trouble for this Jets defense. Uh, I think it, it could, if they come out with a similar game plan to what Dallas did, which I imagine they might, because a lot of their game plans have been pretty similar to that. They they could find success. That being said, the offense has definitely taken a step back in the last few weeks, and it's really been their defense that has helped carry them. Uh, and I I can't say that I'm not concerned about this Dolphins pass rush against the Jets offensive line because they've been cooking. Like this this Dolphins pass rush has been really really good. And then Christian Wilkins is having the best year of his career. He's always been a really really good run defender, but this year he's taken his pass rushing to a next to the next level. I still think he's probably a a tier below the Quinn and Williams, Dexter Lawrence's, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald of the world. But he wants he's to get paid really like Quinn, though. That's the problem. He that. does want to get paid like Quinn, and that's why he hasn't gotten paid yet. But he's still very good, and he is having a career year. He's been a really, really good interior pass rusher. And then I love Jalen Phillips. I'm so happy he's been able to stay healthy in the NFL because he was probably my favorite edge rusher in that entire class. He was one of my favorite players in that class. So I'm happy he's been able to stay healthy. I think he has – like five sacks in his last four games. I've been critical of the Bradley Chubb trade, but he's having a very good season as well. He has five sacks in his last five games. They're coming alive. You got guys like Andrew Van Ginkle, who are very good players as well, who are, who are you know, they're, they're not exactly household names, but they're good players. And Jalen Ramsey's return has kind of like picked it all up and, and, and put it all together for that Miami defense. Because I think a lot of people expected when Vic Fangio got there for – for things that just kind of, you know, correct itself overnight. Like, oh, this is going to be – he's going to come in and they have the pieces and everything's going to be better. Obviously, Ramsey missing time early in the season hurt, but there were some growing pains for sure. But now that Ramsey's back, I mean, I don't think you could find a cornerback in the NFL who has played better football than Ramsey since he's come back. He has a zero passer rating when targeted. Three interceptions in three games. He's been it's elite. literally he impossible been. to play better statistically than he is. Correct. He has been as good as any cornerback over the last three weeks, as any defensive player, as any football player over the last three weeks. He's been ex- exceptional. Xavier Howard still gets pr- as prone for uh, – he's penalty he's penalty prone, but I think he's had a better year. He's he's healthier, I think. He's playing in a better system. Now he has Ramsey alongside him. That's great. This is a good Miami defense, and I think that it's getting overlooked because everyone talks about their offense. But the last few weeks, I'm pretty sure the defense has not allowed more than 17 points in a game. They've been playing pretty well, and honestly, they've helped bail out the offense who was, who was taking a step back. So I'm interested to see how this Jets defense – 
handles a Miami offense that while electric has, has taken a step back uh, and how this, I mean, I'm not interested in this part, but I, I think the Jets offensive line might have a, a very difficult time against this Dolphins pass rush that is playing the best that they have all season. In their last four games, the Dolphins have scored 17, 14 and 20 yep. points. Yep. And they put, they put up 31 against the Patriots, but that's a two win Patriots team, 17 against the Eagles. 14 against the Chiefs, 20 against the Raiders. That's two really good defenses, obviously. Yes. And the Raiders. Part of it, too, earlier in the year, like when they put up 70 freaking points on the Dolph, on the Bill, uh, Broncos. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> What's going on with me these last five minutes? But uh, when they put up 70 on the Broncos, it reminded me almost of like watching Lamar Jackson the year he won the MVP, his first full year with the Ravens, because. It literally looked like a guy like he came from outer space and he was playing football and everybody was just like, what, what the hell is happening? Like, we don't know how to do anything with this. And then eventually like Lamar's obviously still great. He might be an MVP this year again, yeah, I agree. but he should, be, he should be favored over Jalen Hurts. I have a gripe with that. Jalen yeah, Jalen, Hur- Jalen Hurts has 57 more passing yards than Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's actually crazy. I, there's no reason that Jalen Hurts – I don't care if they're 9-1. Or no- how about this? Don't make it the best quarterback award. Why can't Tyreek win it? Why can't Miles Garrett win it? Why? Yeah, I see. My take on it is like, I get why it's a quarterback a quarterback award because the quarterback in ninety nine percent of cases is going to be the most valuable player in your team. What it shouldn't be is it shouldn't just go to the quarterback on the best team. That's dumb because that's that's what it is. Like Jalen Hurts is going to it. Realistically, Patrick Mahomes should win the award. He's the most valuable player to his team. He's not been the best quarterback this season. Like I think in terms of overall performance, you could say Lamar. Honestly, throw Dak in that conversation because he's been awesome this year. Dak and Jared Goff MVP odds pretty low. That's all I'm saying. I I can't get behind Goff. I'll get behind Dak. Those numbers, eight and two team. I don't know. Ben Ben Johnson for MVP. All right. I can't can't get behind Goff being MVP. But Dak, I can get behind more than Goff. Fuck it. Throw Herbert in there, bro. Throw Herbert in there. You see how valuable he is to this team? They're, they're a one-win team without him. That team stinks. Anyway, now we're getting on a tangent now. But <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I say all that to say, like, th- there has been an adjustment period for Lamar, like where he's still great, but he's not put up 500 total yards every game and running for 150. And everybody's like, oh, my God, what do we do? I think because McDaniel does so much wacky stuff with those – like jet motions that make it look like Canadian football. I don't. Even, I don't know how they're legal. I don't think they are legal. I don't think they're just not being called. Like it, there's something screwy with that. Like why is he the only one who does it? Why has no one else done it since? Teams will like try and replicate something it. screwy about it. Teams will try and replicate it, and they will do it less successfully because that's always what happens. But um, the the overarching point they there's some film out on them and there's a way at least to like slow them down. Not all the way, but you can at least limit them. Now, I don't know if the jets, they have the personnel and the scheme to do so, but they're coming off a game where they gave up 32 points and they're clearly stressed and pressing. So they're vulnerable. I don't know if they're really in an environment where they can effectively beat this dolphins offense like that. Like it's, it's actually funny too, because as Brian and chat mentioned, like, like this is a good example of great offense, great defense. I'm excited to see it. Imagine if the Jets defense was allowed to play the Jets offense or even the other way around the Dolphins offense against the Dolphins defense. It, it's yeah. funny. Just the, the difference between these two units, like, all right, here, here's a good, here's a good question. If you gave Robert Sala a full week to prepare 
against either Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle, and he has a league average offense, do they score a touchdown? I mean, maybe. They could luck in the one, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I'll say maybe. I say they may, I'll say they luck in the one. I'll say they luck in the one. So now I think it's <laughs> prediction time. Yeah. Because we don't have high hopes for this game. We really didn't even go over the, the quarterbacks much because we know that there's really not a way for Tim Boyle to come out of this spell like a rose. Like we were ha- not happy that Zach Wilson's bench, but we're more relieved. Like, oh my God, thank you. They finally changed something. But this is still a bad quarterback with a banged up offensive line and bad receivers and bad schematics and bad offensive leadership. Because I like Salah, bad offensive leadership and adaptability from Hackett going up against one of the best teams in the league off a tough win. It's in Miami, right? Uh, no, it's in New York. No, it's in New York. Oh, it's in New York. Yeah, New York. yeah my bad. You're going to have all that traffic at, from the mall. At right home, but yeah. angry fan base. It's probably going to be 30% Dolphins fans there because Zach Wilson has sucked the life out of this season again. And the tickets are so expensive still. It's they raise ticket prices. Why? What do hundred dollars or like? It's insane. I saw some of those tickets. I'm like, this is crazy, bro. Who's paying for this? Brian, Tim Boyle's passing yards over under one thirty three and a half. It's legitimately uh, hard. Is that, actually, is that actually the wager? Is that the is that the over? I've, I've seen stuff similar to that. Uh, under. Oh, Zach Wilson was throwing 80, 90, 110. Why is Tim Boyle going to do one forty? I'm saying over. I'm saying over. I'm saying. I'm gonna. I, I think. I think is they just be a blowout and they'll start throwing. Yeah, I can, well, I think I just think they throw more. I think I or I think they try to do more on offense. I think Boyle will end up with like two or three turnovers, but I think that he ends up with like 175 passing yards. The, the funniest part of the whole anybody except Zach Wilson coming in is in Mike White's first game. Didn't they throw 45 times? Didn't he throw 60 times it was against the Vikings? Like, and yeah. Zach Wilson barely throws over 30 half the time. Like. The fact that they just let it rip with anybody else except him. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, th- I, think, they're gonna like it. I think they're going to come out with a very different game plan. Also, I just think Hackett trusts Boyle so much more than he does to, uh, Zach Wilson. Because he, why was he in? <laughs> That's know. what I'll never get. We'll re- rewind 40 minutes ago when we were talking about it. <laughs> it's just All right, what did you, I what is going to give you a straight answer until 10 years from now when they sell this doc to Amazon or Netflix or something, and then they'll talk. Who's watching this? I'm not watching this nonsense. They're going to do like a Michael Jordan last dance thing on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets or something? Or I think it would be like Nathaniel Hackett on Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> My memoirs, video memoir. Kenny Hackett. All right, prediction time. I'm going to say, God, this is tough because I don't – the defense is going to give up some. They just gave up 32, and this offense is too creative and too in sync and too nuts to just shut out. I'm going to say Dolphins 27, and I'm going to say Jets 10. Because, again, it's it's going to be very Chargers game-esque where I'm sure some stupid play is going to give the Dolphins. They're going to start the 15, and then Tyreek's going to somehow end up being the only guy open on the entire screen right in the end zone, and they'll get something like that. And, and if it gets into a shootout, I don't trust Tim Boyle to beat out Tua. So a path to victory in this game, honestly, even even less viable to me than Kansas City because Kansas City there was just this whole reckless abandon with the whole game plan and how Wilson played there was just this effort let's try this I don't even know if they have that this time I think it's going to be safe because they want to 
introduce Boyle into the offense. So I don't have high hopes for this game at all. We we have breaking Jets news on the podcast. Oh no! What Are you ready now? for big news? The oh, Jets. It's not big news, but what? what? <laughs> the Jets have released Dennis Kelly. <laughs> oh, not breaking that. <laughs> Anything no but that, no. <laughs> no offense to Dennis Kelly. I guess maybe that's good news that Beckton might play. Or oh, well, that, that might indicate that, that Dwayne Brown is going to come back this week. That's probably what that indicates. I, I, I thought that was because Simeon got elevated. Or no, that was Craig James. No, they, had, they had a roster spot because they cut Tanzel Smart. Uh, yeah, they, they now have an active free roster spot. I imagine Dwayne Brown will take the place. It does seem like we, – we didn't talk about this at all, but it does seem like there's some concern that Brown won't play this week. Um, even if he, like, even if he's activated, which is matter. Um, but I guess if that happens, that would indicate, I mean, unless Beckton can play left tackle this week, which who knows, maybe, uh, that would mean that Carter Warren probably starts there. So good luck. Cause he was not very good in that game, which should be expected. Uh, anyway, I think my prediction, I'm going to say it's, it's closer. I'm going to say it's a one score game which might be a hot take, but I'm going to say 21-13 Dolphins win. I think the Jets score three times. I think they score a touchdown, which that's wild. I think that they actually find a way to score a touchdown. Uh, and we get two Greg Zerline field goals. 21 points for the Dolphins seems on par with what they've been doing recently, and it's still a good Jets defense. I think that that's fair. Maybe we get a Jason Sanders missed field goal in there too because he's usually good for one of those. Um, 21-13, Jets, or Jets lost, Dolphins win. Sure, why not? You know it will be really – Morbid, morbidly funny. What would be morbidly funny? Tua gets hurt and Mike White comes yeah. in and leads the win. I saw someone say that. Uh, oh, Brian, <laughs> Brian Costello is instead saying that he believes that Dennis Kelly was released because they're going to sign Xavier Newman to the active roster, which if that's the case, uh, Dwayne Brown would not be activated, which would mean he's out for the year. So if Dwayne Brown's not activated by tomorrow, by Thursday, he is out for the season, which raises a lot of questions as to why the Jets opened his window to return as soon as they did if they didn't think he could, if he's not going to be able to return within three weeks. And that's his career. That's a sad way for his career to end, man. Such a good player for yeah. so long. You I mean, don't want to go out like not that. Just, I, I, I wish we talked about this earlier because I know it's the very end now, but like, why, did, why didn't they just, like, even if they think, unless he's done for the year, like if they think he's going to be ready in two weeks, why not just activate him and then just leave him inactive? Like you don't have to have, you don't have to have him active on game days, but if you don't he's activate him. Daniel Hackett. Hackett. They're not going to have that kind of foresight. <laughs> But if you don't activate him from the the active, or if you don't activate him from IR, he's done for the year. So I don't know why. Justin, Justin, be look who the quarterback is this week. I don't know. You're asking I mean, too Dwayne much Brown, of these guys. I mean, Dwayne Brown played through. Like I think Dwayne Brown wants to play. I saw people be like, "Oh, he's not going to return to this." He played through it in a bum shoulder all of last year with a terrible team. Like why why would he not want to 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 come back? I don't know. Like I feel like by the end of that year, like why would he why would he not just like sat out at a point? But anyway, I don't know. Anyway. That's my prediction, Mike. That's your prediction. Thank you guys for choosing to spend your pre-Thanksgiving, however you're doing Wednesday night, the day before. I'm not sure what traditions you guys got going on. Thanks for spending a part of it with us. We'll be live on Black Friday to discuss the the crater that will be left at MetLife Field after the Dolphins probably get done with Tim Boyle and the Jets. So we will do the autopsy then. You can always join us then. We also stream every Wednesday and after every game. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Jet Press Podcast. As always, you can find us in the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok. Both of them are at the Jet Press. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Justin, anything to say before uh, the Jets get buried in the dirt? 
I don't know, man. Thanks, thanks for spending your Thanksgiving Eve with us. I always, always appreciate it. And just, you know, I don't know, enjoy your Thanksgiving tomorrow. Enjoy, enjoy your your Black Friday until 3 p.m. And then you could, you know, we'll, we'll, we're probably not going to enjoy it much after that. Uh, but thank you all for spending your Thanksgiving Eve with us. It has been nice. And thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download Jet Press Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We got interviews up with CJ Mosley, with other people. We got some fun TikToks and, and shorts up with uh, the guest of Jets. Those are always a good time. I think there might be another one coming out today. I think. I might have just false advertised. I'm not sure, but I think there is. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every single Jets game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We will see you guys on Friday. We'll see you on Friday, and hopefully hopefully it's not embarrassing, but considering how the last few weeks have gone, don't hold out hope. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.